Good morning. Uh, please stand for the reading of God's word. I will be reading from John chapter 13, verses 31 through 38. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself, and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, just as I told the Jews. So I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Truly, very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Chase. You may be seated. Well, it is Pentecost Sunday. It is the day the Lord lit all who would say yes and, be- to, and be- believe and follow him. And uh, may I just say the idea of believe is not the same idea you have of belief. These people knew what it meant to believe. It meant an embodiment of mind, body, and soul, every part of them to follow Jesus. And so when we think about believing, we think about the educational or the intellectual side of it. Yep, I believe that. But do you really believe in that? Here the disciples were praying in the upper room, right? Waiting and praying and praying and waiting just as Jesus told them to. They watched Jesus disappear in the sky just prior to this. Can you imagine? Just, whew, there he goes. And just as they were kind of chastised, what are you looking at? Right? He told them that they would be witnesses, that they were to tell others, they were to go and love the world as he had loved the world. I would be wondering, Wondering, what am I waiting for in those moments before uh, the Holy Spirit filled that room and lit on everyone there? Wondering, what's going to happen? Right? We read it. Then all of a sudden, the wind fills the house that they were meeting in. Tongues of fire lit on each person. And some of you are like, I hope that doesn't happen here. That's freaked me out. And some of us are praying, I hope that happens here because I want to be freaked out. Right? Oh, man, come, Holy Spirit, come. The Spirit gave him the ability to speak the message of love and to experience love. That's exactly what was happening in that room. You know that, right? It was, it was an experience of love that was just enveloping that room, not just an experience of the supernatural. A supernatural love enveloped that room. So the question begs us, how do we love as followers of Jesus? How do we love like Jesus? How do we take the one small step that makes all the difference in the world and love like he does? 
Who teaches us to love like Jesus loved? Just as each one of us is born into a family, we follow Jesus and we are born again into a family. The only family, Jesus says, that matters, by the way. He doesn't say that the other family doesn't, but he says the centrality of the family that is born by the blood of Jesus is the one that matters and will make all the difference and will be your forever family. It's the only one. Uh, that's why our, our, our emotions get strong when we think about loved ones who, who are, are wrestling with the, the issues of faith and Jesus and God, right? Because we realize, oh, if they don't, if they don't surrender, if they do not submit, if they don't recognize the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we'll not be forever together. That the family that is flesh and blood may not. Thus the reason for this series Thus the reason for us to lean in even more to the questions of like, how can we intersect in conversation? How can we see the love of Jesus transform and transcend our spaces and even our, our own selves in spite of ourselves, right? Oh. And in case you think I'm saying something too strong or something a little overpowering, Jesus himself said it in Matthew 12, 49. And there are other spaces and places you can look, but this is the one we'll go to. These are my mothers, this is, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Not the, not the qualifications you may think, or we may desire even, even myself. Those who do the will of the Father. So, how is it that how is it that we demonstrate? We'll get to it in a second. How it's, how do we demonstrate and live out this love? How does it become refined in us? Well, uh, there are a few that have gone before, and you can find them in Scripture. There are about fifty nine, fifty six to fifty nine, one another's in the New Testament that have been written about. That the family of God are to practice, to, to live out the life of love, the one another's of God that become the de demonstrative reflection of the kingdom of God, heaven on earth, to others. We're supposed to love one another, forgive one another, be devoted to one another, honor and accept one another, greet one another, have equal concern for one another, serve one another, carry one another's burden, be patient with one another, submit to one another, be truthful in what we say and do with one another in the family of God, confess our sins, yep, did I say that, to one another, yes, Spur each other on to good deeds. That is our task. That's our one anotherness to live in harmony, to bear with. There are many, many more. You can go look them up, but these are all to be in one another. And they're not to be thought about. They're just to be acted upon. Why and how come? 
because of the cross of Jesus and the empty grave. It's the empowerment of the spirit of the living God that gives us the ability. So when we, second, when we think for a second about forgiving one another, we, we, we may fumble at those places, but we're not to, to do that. We're empowered to forgive We're empowered not to hold bitterness or grudges. And when we deny that, we deny the power of the living God within us. And we deny the family of God, the liberty and the freedom of which we have been called into. It is a wonderful beauty of the family of God when it is put into practice. It's kind of like a piece of art. And some of you may want to wrestle me down on this, but it is like a piece of art. And some of us aren't so much into art, and I get that. But if there's a piece of art that captures your attention, you, can, you have the ability to come back to it, and you see it on another day in a different way. The light shines on it a different way, and you go, I have never seen the beauty of that before. And, and then you come back another day, and you go, wow, I, I, I never knew that. Why, where did that come from? There were a few pieces of art when I was in college. We had to take art appreciation. Anybody been there, done that, right? And it's not all bad, you know, for those of us who, you know, didn't grow up in art families, we're all like, get her done, you know? And I grew to appreciate some pieces of art during that period of time and bought bought, (laughs) bought the prints, right? And I would come back to them on a frequent basis and kind of go, wow, that's all done by, you know, impressionist work, right? By the, and I'm like, who has the patience? It's the same with the family of God. You see, there are certain things I don't have, and you've come to figure that out. I'm not supposed to have them as much as you might want to pray them into me. It's just not supposed to be. And that's not a negative. You keep praying supernaturally they may kind of come happen but you are right that's the beauty and we come away kind of going instead of being frustrated we have patience with and we go hmm let me think about that let me lean into that a little bit with you and for you Yeah, how do, we, how do we find ourselves in this family of love bound by the blood of Jesus, forgiveness, and unbounded to forever, given by the empty tomb? Doesn't, doesn't it come by an encounter of two different kinds, if you will? I was talking to a friend this week, and this friend shared with me the liberation from the grip of the addiction of alcohol The grip of alcohol didn't feel like that at the start. It just felt like, hey, this is good. Like a lot of addictions and many sins. Yet when this friend came to the realization that waking up early in the morning or late at night, however you figure that out, with the shakes, there was a realization of the dependency that was overwhelming his whole body and his life. My friend's illness took on a, on a form from casual to ownership. 
You know, it is the same with us, right? The bitterness, the anger, the lying, the dodging, the maneuvers we all go through all have a veneer that we justify by situations and circumstances we find ourselves in. It's amazing. I mean, how many times that I've, I have actually shellacked or veneered something that is a sin and said, oh, that's, it's just who I am. Realizing only later after it's become a pattern or a habit, I'm not free. And the evil one continues to whisper into our mind's ear, this will not kill you. Remember, though, I want to remind you, remember the garden and the slithering forked tongue one who wants to continue to tell us lies to keep us bounded, grounded on this terrestrial ball, never to be broken free. So if, if we wake from our slumber from, of our sin, we wake to this, we wake to a, an encounter of our chains. You know that, right? That's what happened to each one of us who have said yes to Jesus. We, didn't, we awoke to the encounter of our chains. We realized, whoa, wait a second. What my heart hungers for is not what I am in, but I, what I, where I desire to be. And we we're, woke up and changed. And in my ascent, sin, I attempted to dodge the, to the potential consequences. You ever been there? Like, I know this is wrong, but I think I can dodge it, right? Like, like thinking you can overspend your checking account and not get an overdraft. It's going to happen. But we still sometimes play the game, don't we? Yet when I awoke from my slumber in the misty fog of my living in 1985, I knew I was in chains. I was dodging. I was attempting to try to mitigate the consequences of my behavior, sin, by my own actions, by my own thinking. I knew I was in chains. And these chains as in the classic Charles Dickens story, are very true, we forge these chains we wear in life. We awake to the, we, we encounter the realization that we are in change, what, wherever that at, is at. It was then that I crawled out from under the realization I could, that realization that I, I, I couldn't blame others anymore. I couldn't project my behavior in other places and even transfer it onto others to justify and make myself feel better in those times. It was, it was, yet I was still me. Every time I did that, I was still me. I was still me. Are you hearing me? Trying to project it on somebody. It's their fault. They did this to me. When all the while I was still creating my own chains of boundedness. To remember the words, and we all have to remember these words of Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. John's words at the beginning of his gospel are vivid reminders of Jesus. The word made flesh has come to show the way. Give us 
and be the truth and to give us life and hope, our lives and hunger for. We talked about longing and hope last week. Our hearts at the deepest core of us hunger for something different than what we're, that we're in if we're found in sin, if we're separated from God. And once we see the change wrapped around our lives, we come to the knowledge of the truth that's found in Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. As much as I want to say, she did it to me, he did it to me, my dad, you know, all of these things. So I want to put it into that category. I have to own it. I have to grow up. And some of you may be questioning. It may be a question in your mind. So what does it mean to sin? Steve, you said that several times. It's... In one sense, it is to miss the mark of God's grand design he designed you for as an individual. Uh, personally, it may mean specific things that you're doing that continue to separate you from Jesus. All the same thing, but the same thing. So it's choosing to eat, if you will, from the tree of good and evil continuously ongoing God's great love for us does not leave us weighted down though in his mercy we encounter Jesus in his invitation you see sometimes these happen simultaneously they happen sometimes in a moment's notice the encounter as Jesus so the encounter of Jesus in his invitation is our next slide Tommy the encounter as the woman at the well and Zacchaeus so clearly demonstrates from last week's message, you can go back and read it, and it's found in the Gospels, a revealing of who we are in light of who Jesus is. Both of them bound and changed, looking for love, power, and significance. That's what's happening. That's what they were wanting. And as you can read in John 4 and Luke 19, both of those stories, both this woman and this man accepted the invitation to follow Jesus. Infidelity turn to fidelity to Jesus with a woman. Greed for oneself turned to generosity to the kingdom and to the family of God for Zacchaeus. Yet we have to wonder what, what happened to the encounter with Jesus. Where, where did they go after this? Where, where did they find themselves? And this is where we find ourselves in today's message, if you will. The idea of where do we find ourselves once we realize that Jesus is our liberator. That he's the one who rescues us. That his blood on the cross, his, the empty grave gives us total liberation. Where do we go? My guess is they found a family of fellow believers, fellow followers of Jesus. The ones who do the will of the Father. The family who practices the one another's that we alluded to earlier that you can go back and, well, I can give you more material on, but that we're to participate in. This same family uh, in the tree, if you will, they brought me in and, and my sorry soul to Jesus. This community continued to be the soil where I grew. Uh, I grew to love these people who surrounded me and supported me too and into the life with Jesus. 
This same family allowed me the opportunity to, to practice the trade I am in now, even before I was in the trade I'm in now. Talk about patience. <laughs> Generosity, love, grace. They wanted me to be part of them. They wanted me. There's something that rings in our hearts about that, isn't there? When somebody says, I want you. I want you. I want you to be a part of what we're doing. There's something that, that just resonates. If you're part of the family of God, you're part of the same family that I'm a part of. Simply different brothers and sisters from the stump of Jesse. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that grand? Think about this. Let's just kind of pull this idea of being part of the family, part of the community back into this a biblical narrative. This guy Saul, the New Testament Saul, we now know as Paul. He, he's walking on the road of Damascus and has an encounter with Jesus. An encounter with Jesus who in one moment he recognizes the chains that he is bounded to and in the same moment recognizes the one who can liberate him. It is incredible. But can you imagine being part of the community of faith back then? Maybe you can. I don't know if we can in America, but we could in other countries where you, you heard one such Saul comes to know Jesus, right? Everybody's going, well, we'll see. And Ananias is one of those guys. So if you look in, in Acts chapter 9, Ananias is having his time, quiet time with the Lord, uh, uh, you know, just, just reminiscing with the Lord about whatever. And the Lord not only interjects, but kind of, puts himself in there, right? This one Paul who was killing, Saul, who was killing the Christians is now being invited in. This is the conversation. The Lord spoke to Ananias in a vision, calling him, Ananias, yes? <laughs> Go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. What? He's praying to you? I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias. Not me. Got to be another man. Think about this. This Saul had been killing Christians. Named Ananias coming in and laying his hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, Ananias, I've heard many people talk about terrible things about this man done, that he's done to the believers and. Jerusalem, and he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls on your name? You, you want me to go to him? Anybody had the Lord show up in a prayer? Yeah. The Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as people, as well as the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer 
for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul, and he laid his hands on him. And he said, Brother Saul, When the Lord gave me this section, I had the same response. Like, really? I mean, I've read it many times. Brother Saul. You mean the one who hated me? Called me nasty names? Call him brother. Call her sister. Welcome them with open arms. Invite them in. Demonstrate my love to the world around. We know that soon after this, Paul, Paul just has, a, he, he has with this supernatural event, uh, this, this complete transformation of the words and his message. He begins preaching about Jesus immediately. We know that there's a period of time after that where there's some uh, he he goes away from goes away with the Lord, but what we see is that he's in, being embraced by the community and family of God without hesitation, and not because of Ananias. You do know that, right? Ananias just takes God at His word and says, "You want me to love him? I'll love him. You want me to lay my hands on him and call him brother Saul? I will call him brother Saul." On this Pentecost Sunday, I wonder if some of us as followers of Jesus have kind of lost the impetus, the the courage it takes to love obediently. Not with great sentimentality, but with a great boldness that overcomes even our own desired dissonance. Paul, Ananias expressed it. The family of God or the community of faith is is a crucial catalyst for our growth in the way of Jesus. Absolutely. We could walk, I think I could walk down each aisle and probably talk to each one of you and get a story of how the community of faith has, has welcomed and helped and given you hope and encouragement. And probably some very practical aspects too. The incredible and indelible imprint of this imperfect group of people, including pastors through the years, has helped me to this point in my journey of faith. And I love the people called the church. I do. do this is where the words from our passage read earlier come into play that chase read for us love each other just as i have loved you you should love each other your love for one another will prove to the world you are my disciples See, the invitation to follow jesus is an invitation to live a life of love Love lived out is best lived when we give love. The same love Jesus gave to us. 
We not only say, I love you, but it is matched with the practices and the behaviors that demonstrate this love from the Father to our brothers and sisters, one another, each other. Jesus' words become a living demonstration to us. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. He walked willingly to the cross of death, bringing true life to all who would say yes. Sin's reign is done. You do know that. It is done. It's not is being done. It is done for those who say yes to Jesus. And death's fear is defeated through the empty grave and his rise to victory. And what we see in Jesus' family or community on earth is not a select, was, was, was not a select group outside of his own disciples. We do know that. In fact, Kathy pointed that out this morning. He did select his 12, but outside of that, all who would hear were welcome. All who had ears to hear were, were welcome. He came to seek and save the lost. His words, not mine. He came to heal the sick, not those who thought they were well. He came to save the world, everyone who would choose to follow him. This family of God is diverse and different. The spectrum, black to white, rich to poor, engineers to artists, classical music to country music. I I don't know. Maybe that's not a good spectrum. You guys can come at me later. But, I mean, it's really diverse. Jesus came to save and to establish. And this is sometimes what we forget. He came to save us from our sins, but to establish a family and a kingdom here on earth amongst us, with us, of love. Jesus expected his family would spend time with each other and the world, whoever the world is, would take notice. You catch that, right? They would know. They would see. And your love for each other will prove that you are my disciples. So just making it clear, the love we have for our brothers and sisters is proof we follow Jesus. It's proof. We could go into the questions of how do you speak about one another, whether you gossip about one another, um, how how often, you know, you can bring those up. But our love for one another is proof that we follow Jesus. But also this, and this is what Jesus said, is out of that is a, out of this is a natural flow. It's a natural occurrence. Our love for one another becomes a witness to the invitation to Jesus to the world. While we know Jesus saves, rescues, redeems those who are lost, that saving yet, we have to yet discover the depths of the power of community or family that he has given to us. I mean, Jesus himself even modeled it himself. Jesus created his own community group. It was essential. You can call it whatever you want, but he still had his 12, and yep, he was a rabbi, I guess, get the whole, that whole process, but it was still people he wanted and did hang with. I don't know if he always wanted to hang with them. Let's be honest. He desired their transformation, 
but it maybe not was always easy, and thus the love one another's, right? The same group often we find huddled together, these same people in different groupings now, in Acts and following, we see them huddled together. They, like us, are attempting to make steps make sense of what their next step should be in bringing heaven to earth, the kingdom of God to bear where they live. We see this over and over again as they scatter and gather. In fact, in Acts, or in Acts, after Pentecost, this is what we read, all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, shared, shared the money with those in need, They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I think the last words are a reflection of how their community served one another and worked with one another. So as we think about One more step. As we think about advancing the kingdom of God, we have to wrestle in within ourselves as followers of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this may be an entry point for you. We welcome you in. But we have to wrestle with the fact of how we think about our community of faith and our brothers and sisters, narrow and broad, and how we live with them and encouraging one another to live As we follow Jesus, the family God is not optional. It is essential to the demonstration of the kingdom and our king we follow. A building block to our validation of our personal and communal faith. Not an optional building block. A building block. It's not the cornerstone. Jesus is that. Right? The it is an outcome that this communal and communal faith, this community, this family of God is an outcome of the love of the one who gave his life and gave his all for us. On this Pentecost Sunday, his great love gives us who desire and continue to seek it, the gift of the spirit living within us. What a wonderful gift. What a confirmation A deposit, Paul calls calls it to us, of the prophetically promised for each one of us, supernaturally given so we who desire it can live a life of love. Live a life of love. Not perfectly, but progressively and intentionally. So, how do, we lay, how do we live this grand outcome? How do we live the life of love, loving one another? A few words I want to give you this morning. One is frequency. Frequency. You cannot live the life of love without having a, a frequent interaction with the one who loves your soul. Jesus. Uh, he did say in a couple of places that we have recorded, daily take up your cross and follow. Daily, we, we intersect with the one who loves our soul, the one who saved us, so that we can be filled with the love of Jesus and then follow him into it. I also believe that 
if we're to live this life of love, that not only did he give us the word of God, which we will be in, and we'll be in communion with him in prayer daily, but we also need to be with brothers and sisters in Christ. I think the, the John 13, 35 was pretty clear. As you love one another, they will see. You have to be frequently encountering brothers and sisters in Christ in a way, I think, that the world can see. And the question we're not getting into in this message is how does the world see that and where do they see that? Which I think is valid. But I also think if we're going to do it with frequency, we need to do it with proximity, right? To just simply read your Bible without sitting with Jesus and the Holy Spirit loses its proximity ability. But we will need the Spirit to interact with us. We, we, don't, read it for, we don't read the Bible for academic purposes, well, oftentimes we go to Bible studies and do just that. It's not about that. It's about transformation and relationship, one with God and one with each other. So when we approach it with an academic mindset, we lose the proximity. We lose the ability of the, of the, of the Word of God, the Spirit of God, to do the transformation. I think... It's the same in our relationships, brothers and sisters. We need to have not only the frequency, hey, I saw you in church the other day, but we need to have the proximity to have the conversations that go beyond how's work. I know I'm meddling. Some of you are really uncomfortable right now. You're like, really? Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. And the reason I say that is because Jesus wasn't. Jesus' conversations with his own disciples got beyond the surface of how life was going in Galilee (laughs) to the heart of the issue. The Samaritan woman at the well, Zacchaeus in an interaction at the table. All of these places and spaces, yep, they encroach on our personal space. But what they prove is that we need not only the Holy Spirit and God to help us, but we need the community, the family of God to help us in that process. Now, again, we're not getting into how that's done or where that's done. I'm going to give you a few places it can begin if you're not in them under this, under this word, intentional. See, we, we need to be, have frequency and proximity, but I think it needs to be with intentionality or intentional. It needs to be intentional, and that's kind of the the capstone to all of it. I mean, when I said I will with Kathy uh, 30 years ago, uh, there may be frequency of seeing her, proximity because we, I'm going to say it, we sleep in the same bed. (laughs) But if that's all it is, let me tell you, life's going to get kind of rough. It's going to be distant. It's going to lose its intimacy of those days in which we were dating. There must be an intentionality to our family, too. 
Many of us are good about spending time with our family, and we should be good about doing that, planning vacations, spending time. But I believe that Jesus also meant that we would have intentionality with the community of faith, with the family in which we've found ourselves in, in order to have the potential of growth that lies within us. So how can you do that? Well, we do community groups. During the summertime, we do kind of shut many of those down. They become more quiet or more social in nature. Both of those are fine, but we do have community groups. You could be a part of one of those. We have summer gatherings that are coming up. We'll share those in a week or so, movie nights, all church camp out, water park days, uh, all of these things that we, uh, we create. So in part, I'm just being frank, uh, we can spend time to eat with each other. And you can get to know each other that you, that you see across the church, but you have somewhere else to go. And I, I get all that. We create those spaces and opportunities for you to do that. Oh, by the way, you could do um, dinners and meals on your own. Find somebody in the new directory out there, by the way. You pick those up on your way out. Uh, and kind of go, hey, I don't know them. I'd love to have them over for a meal. Ask them how they, yep, I'm going to fill in some blanks. How'd you come to know Jesus? Or where are, you at your, where are you at in your journey with Jesus? Which, by the way, can I just say, I think they sh- these are some of the things that should be common in our conversation with one another. Not, along with the baseball game, you know, Tigers won 7-3, right? Right? Okay. I thought I saw that somewhere. I mean, those are okay, it, but it all needs to, see, this is what happens, right? The world begins to see this stuff, and they go, oh, you're not, you're not weird, you're just doing life. Yeah, I mow my lawn just like you. Um, yep, I have to dig up my damn lions just like you. You know, all those type of things. But at the same time, we're able to go, oh, this is how the Lord gives me hope. This is where he sees us. As we love each other like this, right, the world is able to see. Well, friends, I hope you captured just another glimpse of the beauty of the family of God the beauty of community, the wonder of what he has given to us because of the blood of Jesus and the empty grave. In a few moments, we'll have the wonderful opportunity to uh, partake of communion. But before we do, let's pray. Father, I thank you. You are the one who created family from the very beginning. Your design and desire for us to be loved in family was solidified by your, the love you sent to and through your son who came as a baby, lived his life on purpose and with great intention to give us life, to restore us, redeem us. We thank you for that. But Father, we have to be, we have to be very honest. We don't know how to love very well. So, Lord, I I ask that you would just teach us how to love one another. That the people that we we see, it would would develop this this wondrous beauty of how how you have knitted us together. And the wonderful advancement that just knowing and loving one another brings to the body and to glory to your name in some supernatural and wondrous way. Lord, lead us in that. 
Because our desire, Lord, is really this, is that we love when we lo- as we love one another, that out of the outcome of that love for one another, this unusual, supernatural natural love for those of our brothers and sisters, that, Father, others would come to know. Come to know how good you are, how kind you are, how loving you are. Friends, maybe some of you uh, this morning have, it's been a while. Uh, you, you realize that the relationship is with Jesus is not as fresh as it once was. There's the proximity and frequency in your personal relationship, let alone the communal relationship, is not where it once was. I just encourage you, uh, before we take communion, that you would, you would say yes to Jesus. Once again, you would refresh your relationship. You would confess your sins will, to him. Some of you, though, have never said yes to Jesus. You didn't realize how loving he was to you. That the hopes and longings that are within you can only be met in one, in one, Jesus himself. You realize the things that you have been about, the, the things that you have been living are holding you down. They're, they're, they're changed. They're holding you back. If that's you this morning, I simply ask. I simply invite. No. Wouldn't you want to be unbounded? Would you want to be free? Found in the love of the one who died for you? If that's you, pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy, grace, and love found in and through Jesus. Save me and forgive me for my sins. I give you my life and choose to follow, love, and live for you. In Jesus' name.